always in that for profit kind of mood and how right. can we make more money? It's like, hello, like, <laughs> why don't you diversify your leadership and, you know, see this greatness that's happening here? Right. And they're just like, I don't see it. Exactly. Hey, everybody, I'm Elise Real. And I'm Isha Bell, and this is Full-Time Black Women, a community for Black professional women to live, laugh, grow, and feel the soul. So what, I mean, who are we talking to today, Elise? Today, we have a very beautiful, talented, professional, so intelligent young woman here to boss up as a full-time Black woman with us. Tasha. Welcome, 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 Tasha. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, guys. We are so excited to have you. Definitely. So without further ado, let's break the bio down of Miss Tasha. So she is a native of Philadelphia, West Philly, born and raised to be exact. (laughs) Ow. She was educated kindergarten through 12th in Philadelphia public school system and then went on to the University of Pittsburgh to major in psychology. After getting several years of professional experience under her belt, she received her master's of public health. The majority of Tasha's career has been working with a large nonprofit organization where she specialized in grant making and project management. The issues that she worked on centered on quality early childhood education, and strengthening child care owners' business practices. She is married to a loving and supportive husband and has a toddler daughter who she loves and adores. Welcome once again to our guest, Tasha. Today's topic is bossing up as a full-time Black woman. And we wanted to tackle this because so many of us are bossing up in our own right or are trying to boss up and just want to hear more stories as we should of fellow full-time black women who are bossing up in their own right. So we wanted to bring a fellow boss lady to the table to share her experiences and her story and just let y'all know what it's like out here in these corporate streets. Yeah. So we're going to get into this interview after hitting up this commercial break first. You know, Aisha, sometimes I don't feel like leaving my house. Why do you feel like you need to explain the world to me? Because I understand already. <laughs> yes, I don't either. That's why I use Instacart. I use Instacart to get my groceries delivered to my front door. Not only am I saving money with the coupons that they offer, but also it just kind of makes me feel fancy to say, leave the groceries at the front door, please. <laughs> Exactly. I don't know why I became a Margaret, but hey, I'll do it. It sounded good <laughs> to me. I will always uh, take the opportunity to be a Margaret, especially when I have to carry my bags. I might be a strong, independent black woman, but sometimes I want to see the de- the deliveries and the groceries at my front door without lifting a finger. And it's awesome because those deliveries are hand selected by shoppers based on your preferences. And guess what? They keep your eggs safe, too. And you are able to actually shop at multiple stores on one single order. Once again, I'm not an Instacart uh, pro when it comes to doing that. But guess what? It's okay. We can all learn together. Yes. Um, The Instacart always highlights where you can save. I'm all about my money. Y'all know that. Absolutely. And all the products that you love from your local stores. And not only that, once you place your order over $35, you get free delivery. Once you use the link in the show notes, fulltimeblackwoman.com forward slash Instacart forward slash. And join me on this little aristocrat. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even get it out. Uh, Margaret. trail go ahead use instacart make sure that you can take one more thing off of your list as a full-time black woman just let someone else handle it for you it's okay live in a little bit of luxury yes so click on the link and let them know we sent you fulltimeblackwoman.com forward slash instacart forward slash all right so we are back so you guys already know what time it is. Hey. But we can go ahead and get started with those stats for that ass. Hey, stats for that ass. Hey, we hey, bringing hey, you the facts hey, with some stats for that ass. 
Okay, so listen up to this stat, Tasha and Ali. That's good. According to the Harvard Business Review, the HBR, developing a diverse leadership pipeline can benefit companies in all sectors. Now, firms with the most ethnically diverse executive teams were 33% more likely to outperform their peers on profitability and those with executive level gender diversity worldwide had a 21% likelihood of outperforming their industry competitors. A recent study of VC firms found that more diverse teams had higher financial returns than their homogeneous uh, counterparts. The problem that is most companies do not tap into or promote women of color, more likely black women, to these senior roles to see this change or to see this growth. And this is something that we're used to dealing with as full-time black women, but black women are actually more likely to aspire to hold a powerful position with a prestigious title than white women. We have talked about this so many times before from yep. the studies of McKinsey, also the leanin.org um, uh, report that we've leaned on on so many times, so many different topics and episodes. Yet black women advances into leadership roles have remained stagnant. So let's get some feedback on those stats. How do you feel about that, Tosh? Wow. Well, A, of course, not surprised that companies aren't tapping into and valuing, you know, what Black women bring in terms of leadership. Um, But of course, it just always makes me sad um, to hear those statistics because I think about my pathway into leadership and how, you know, From my perspective, I was able to move into leadership, you know, traditionally and as it should go when you are working hard and you have, you know, kind of acquired a certain level of education and professional credentials. Um, But, you know, I have to realize that doesn't happen um, for everyone. And I do remember, you know, this one organization I was a part of, they said, no, diversity is an opportunity. Like, why don't companies see that as something, you know, since they're always in that for-profit kind of mode and how can we make more money? It's like, hello, like, (laughs) why don't you diversify your leadership and, you know, see this greatness that's happening here? Right. And they're just like, I don't see it. Exactly. Where, what do we do? You're like, hello! Or good talent. I'm so, I don't know. I don't, there's no prescription for that. I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal. (laughs) goodness but so i wanted to ask you tasha when it comes to this stat and your own personal experience did your imposter syndrome come in to play at all with this like you know that this is not something that typically happens just with our experiences however it's happening for you so how did how did that uh impact you the imposter syndrome is real and it's still real as I continue to move forward. It becomes mm-hmm. even more real. So I have to remember why, you know, I'm in these places that I'm in. It's obviously for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't fake your way, um, you know, into being the director or into being the senior, you know, of your department. Right. Um, but one moment I'll say that the imposter, imposter syndrome hit or that made me really think I was at a conference um, and someone came over to me because of course once you start to reach certain levels people are going to ask questions because they want to know how did you get where you are so you know my position at that time was the director of early childhood education business development so they said, oh, so then that means you must have a background in early childhood education. And I said, no, actually, I don't. Um, and they're like, oh, so you must have a business um, background then. And I said, no, <laughs> I don't. Um, but I knew I was qualified for my yeah, role, right. A, because I picked it out. I wrote the job description All for right, my man. job. <laughs> okay. And literally, I have the experience of having outcomes, making impact in 
early childhood business development. But the fact that someone asked me the question in that way, mm-hmm. it really did cause me to think, well, damn, like, am I qualified? Yeah. Because I don't have, you know, I don't fit into that nice box that someone thinks I should be in because I hold this title. Um, so that's definitely, you know, that was the imposter syndrome kicking in at full force. I mean, I didn't even know this person. You're a stranger. Mm-hmm. My boss. All in my business. Yeah. Qualified. Right. <laughs> <Nah>. Right. <laughs> but do you think that person was asking out of, oh, just interest or more so just. Let me disqualify her. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me discredit somebody to make myself feel good right now. I cannot say one way or the other especially based on who the question was coming from. Yeah. It was not a fellow full-time black woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, she was like, but I'm here though. Right. And I'm making that money though. Hey. And your point though yep. is let me move around, move around, mm-hmm. move around. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so let's get into some of these questions let's go ahead and dive into this interview because i'm really excited i know we're all really excited to hear more about your story so tasha what makes you uniquely qualified to discuss bossing up as a full-time black woman um sure so basically i stayed with the same company for 11 years almost fresh out of college And during those 11 years, I actually held five different positions, um, all of them representing like upward movement and increasing responsibility and all within the same department. So I actually wasn't bouncing all around. I was literally moving up and bossing up within my department. Mm -hmm. Um, I began as a specialist title and I actually left as a director and most recently, I've taken another leap, which has even shocked myself. And I'm currently a senior consultant at a completely different firm, completely different kind of, not industry, but it's, you know, now for profit, no longer nonprofit. So this one just kind of changed the game for me. Awesome. Well, that's how you do. That's, that's what right. bossing up is all about. Yes, I'm clapping <laughs> up for that. Absolutely. Exactly. To go from somewhere where you started straight out of college, you know, and to not only progress in five different areas within the same department 11 years, that's a feat right there Absolutely. that most people have never been able to do. And then to move that into another sector and be able to be bombed there or learn so you can become as bomb as possible. Those are all ways and forms of how you can boss up as a full-time black woman but we wouldn't expect anything less (laughs) from tasha (laughs) (laughs) so when you think of the word bossing up you know this is something that um, i just came up with because that's definitely what it is you know since so many of us have ambitions of trying to not only succeed but exceed expectations when it comes to our rightful industries and we have this uh desire inside of us to move into these executive spaces that people don't necessarily make room for us but we are constantly building ourselves up to get there what does boston up mean to you as a full-time black woman wow so you know bossing up i will say as a full-time black woman that's the only option um, that we have. Like, right. We're not, <laughs> right. We're not here to be mediocre. And bossing up doesn't have to come with those negative connotations of you being a hard nose or you being mm. a B, I-T-C-H. Like you can literally be a likable person who's competent in what you're doing And, you know, be able to boss up and still have, you know, that respect that you need as a leader, you know, from those that you work with. Um, So in terms of just myself, like I I do refuse to be mediocre and be comfortable with less than I deserve. We only have one life to live. And when you look at the statistics of black women, we're highly educated and we're also significant financial contributors to our household yes um so really that 
telling me I have no choice um, but to boss up. Um, however, um, I want to bring attention that this is necessary um, because I know we encounter unique challenges on our journey as full-time Black women that are a result of other people's perceptions of us. Yeah. Just simple lack of believing in ourselves um, because we may not see too many of us in leadership positions. Yeah. And also just not having that roadmap to bossing up because quite frankly, you do have to have a plan. I mean, you don't buff up by accident. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it has to be something that you've mapped out of tangible things that can get you from here to there. And also um, in buffing up, it's just not also a solo act. You've got to have people there on your yeah, journey. Yeah, that network, Those right. mentors, that Steph talked about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those sponsors to help get your foot in those right doors and then sitting at the right table. Um, so your network is one of the time your net worth. So just, you know, put yourself out there. Right. Well, so, now that t- I'm sorry, Elise, <laughs> I'm sorry. She said something really. And I feel like this is a part of what we don't talk about. Um, you mentioned bossing up as a full-time black woman doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a B-I-T-C-H. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a hard nose. Like, how do you play that role when you have all these stereotypes who expect you to be the angry black woman, who expect you to be the sergeant in charge, who expect you to be aggressive and masculine and all those things? How do you balance in that role and fight against those stereotypes on a day-to-day basis? You know, I'll say, and of course, all of this is based on where I come from. Mm -hmm. So I've realized I've been very privileged because my kind of department is not as cutthroat, I'll say, some others. Mm -hmm. But just staying true to yourself. Like, you do not have to fall into other people's stereotypes. Like, be who you are. If you're not comfortable with something, say it and that's something I learned from Karen mm. because Karen has no problem speaking nope. up about things she's not comfortable with and she has no problem telling you things she can't do or she doesn't have time for it or this or that so you know embody Karen what would Karen do <laughs> <at a> time? <laughs> I like that making you do things right. you don't want to do yes that sounds like a future show. What would Karen do? Exactly. Mm. Not a damn thing. <laughs> and still keep my check. Right. Oop. And get a promotion on top of that. Boom. Exactly. <laughs> um, But I was just going to say, I love the way your story has played out so far. Like a lot of times um, you will find that we stay at a place for a long amount of time and we don't get those promotions and things or mm-hmm. it takes leaving in order to be recognized for the talent and skill that you have. You mentioned that Speak you ten, you had a plan for yourself. I guess, how did you make sure that that plan was put into play? And how did your plan get you, you know, in the right spaces to get the promotions that inevitably enabled you to get this even better position elsewhere? Absolutely. And I'll say that I see all of that play out, you know, in the workplace, what you said, at least about, you know, how folks are finally able to get their promotions or, you know, move on. But for me, I mean, it was completely arbitrary, but I said to myself every year and a half, like I need to have a new title or a new kind of promotion or something tangible that's showing myself moving forward. Um, or else, you know, of course, I'm going to look for other jobs. So luckily, the way it did happen was every about one year and a half, something new would come my way. Um, but of course, it was because of the things that I was doing. Like, I just wasn't comfortable with, you know, looking at my job description, checking off all the marks, saying this is all I'm required to do. So this is all I'm going to do. Like, at some point, yes. You do have to do, you know, a little extra to get yourself noticed to show like I can do this and I'm willing to because that's really what, you know, folks in management want to see. 
And the company that I came from, you know, they really were big on hiring from within. Um, so they want to see who, you know, I, I wanted my name to come to someone's mind when it came to a new job. And I'm saying, like, who can do this job? Like, I know Tasha can do this job. Um, you know, in terms of just my pathway into management, it really came from me doing a good job. Once I got comfortable, I would do extra things. There was a newsletter that we had coming out monthly or so. I said, I'll, I'll contribute to the content, you know, mm-hmm. for our department. Um, my supervisor at that time was going on vacation. I said, you know, I can take on your duties of doing, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, and that's what led to like my first promotion where I became a senior specialist um, within that department. So it was great because I still got to continue to work with my peers who we all had a great rapport for one another. It also was good and just having those increasing responsibilities, but not having the responsibility of actually managing anyone. So that was perfect because again, I mean, it was clear and understood, like I had some advanced duties, um, but I didn't have to feel like, oh, like, you know, I'm different from you guys now because mm-hmm. I'm over you or something like that. You know, that wasn't the case. Um, but then I began to go to conferences and any other workshop or professional development opportunity um, that came my way. And kind of fast forwarding later on, now that I'm a manager, you know, those were some things that I was looking for as well. And who's going to be the next so-and-so, like who's showing interest? Who actually like likes their job? Right. But how can you tell if someone likes their job? I mean, everybody show up, they do and complete their tasks. I'm I'm assuming people would do that on a regular basis. So how can one person be a standout? And you okay. So also to mention, you was like, oh, it kind of came easy to me, girl. No, you were out there picking up challenges. Exactly. You were making sure you had a spotlight. You know, you were making yourself visible, and not only make yourself visible by putting on that extra work, new projects, but also by building relationships with people. So it wasn't probably necessary. Somebody saw something in you. They saw something in you because you made sure you were like, hello, uh-uh, uh-huh. uh-uh, uh-uh, yeah, uh-uh, this one right here. On so don't don't discredit yes, yourself because that right. poster syndrome was talking yeah. in the beginning, and now you're trying to go into more depth of how you got to where you were you know so but what about for the full-time black women out there who are doing these things who are trying to make themselves a spotlight who are putting the extra hours who are starting early logging off late who are doing all these things but yet and still they do not see any rewards come from this type of behavior what would you say to them as a boss well i would say you know you have to know the culture of your workplace your industry, where you are. If you don't see other folks, full-time Black women, you know, moving up, like that's a big red flag. And I would say perhaps that means that that pathway just may not be there for you at that job. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because there's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, so many other jobs out here. And especially now that remote working is like a great part of our world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just really changing the game. You can go elsewhere. Um, you know, the reason why I, of course, remained loyal, so to speak, to my workplace mm. was because they were loyal to me. I got a master's degree from an excellent university on their dime. I, wow. you know, got promotions and things because I saw how things worked in my workplace. I saw other people moving up. So I knew that it was possible for me. But if for some reason that's not happening for you, and you're, of course, doing all the things that you feel is aligned to moving yourself into leadership, A, have a candid conversation with your supervisor. Sometimes you may need to let folks know, like, moving up is on my agenda. Mm, Um, Always speak up, yes. (laughs) They may not realize that. And then that could shift their kind of perspective and what opportunities they're bringing in front of you. Um, But then also, if you feel like that person's blocking you, see if there's another pathway. Um, Luckily, my 
job got me a lot of face time with the managing director of our department. Mm-hmm. So I took advantage of that. Like this person can really change the game for me. This person can, you know, bring put me into positions that yes, I'm qualified for, but that I need that extra kind of push or exposure right. to be in. So see if you can get FaceTime with someone else above, you know, your supervisor's head. And then if not, you got to give them their welcome papers and move on. Right. Your freedom papers, your opportunity papers. Dropping all types of gems. I don't, I just, I don't even know which gem to pick up right now. I'm just, I'm making a tennis bracelet. (laughs) I don't know what to do. So, oh gosh, you said so many things. Um, The one question I do have is a lot of times there is a fear of two things. There's a fear of leaving a place that you're loyal to because number one, you don't know what's out there. This is a place, you know, this is what you're used to. You can maneuver here. Um, Even if there's better outside. So there's, there's a fear of that, but there's also a fear of making the connections and talking to people higher than you. Like, well, am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to say the wrong thing? And things like this. How did you combat, I guess, those two fears? Because you had said, if I didn't get it where I wanted to be in a year and a half, I wasn't afraid to put my you know, resume out there and let it be known. Like, how did you not let the fear of those two things kind of rule you and keep you stagnant? Just putting myself out there, just trying not to let my mind get the best of me. Um, you know, I and just be visible. Sometimes that in itself will kind of keep you on people's minds, decision makers' minds. I mean, I've been in meetings and in rooms with, you know, pretty higher up, you know, at my department, and I didn't have anything to contribute, but they didn't know that. Like all they knew was that <laughs> I'm at my boss said this is the person that needs to be here. Right. So even that in itself, you know, speaks volumes. Like that's what we need. We need to just be able to literally be at the table. And after a while, you'll get more comfortable with speaking up, with, you know, kind of asserting yourself. Um, But, you know, baby steps. The most important part is to be there. After you get your feet wet there, then you, you know, be able to speak up and, you know, be more comfortable. Well, Tosh. Oh, I got so many questions, but the one that keeps coming on my mind when we've already talked about the stereotypes of black women and stuff like that, um, when it comes to not only progressing in their career, but once you do reach to a certain level, the expectations of you at that level, how do you deal with bossing up as a full-time black woman and managing people who don't look like you, Mm. you know, like, or managing people who do look like you. Is there a difference in how you manage a Karen and a Jeff versus a Sharonda? A little bit. I feel like I definitely was a little more candid and frank with Sharonda mm-hmm. um, because I know you can do better and I want you to do better. Um, but I, I really didn't change my particular management style, you know, based on who I was managing. And they all, of course, brought different things to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, it's really just about staying true to yourself. I didn't keep things in my mind about what other people thought I should do or how I should act or I don't want to manage like other folks because as a result of bossing up, I've been in all the positions. I sit at the lunch table with you know, I don't even know what to call them, entry-level, mm, you know, yeah. people. Yeah. I hear what they have to say about their managers and how this person acts, how that person acts. And I'm like, that would never be me. Like, I don't want my staff to be miserable at right. work. Like, my main job was, you know, still keeping a rapport against us, but also letting you know what my expectations are. And that worked out really well for me. Um, just being real with people. Uh, my staff were comfortable talking to me, um, but also respected me. So they were very 
dependable, always had things in on time. Now, whether the quality of it was where it needed to be, like that's something we could work on. But I just needed to see, you know, certain things from you that showing me that you do, you know, respect me as your your supervisor. I really do hate the word boss. <laughs> oh yeah. I feel like yeah, that's reserved that. for like a real high people, but um, you know, respect me as your supervisor. And really my goal is to try to help you reach your goals and get mm-hmm. where you need to be. Um, so well to, to play back on what you mentioned that you are a little bit more frank and a little bit more blunt with the Sharonda, do you think that actually hinders some black women? from even trying to work harder because they feel like they have maybe a disadvantage when it comes to building that rapport relationship with their full-time black woman supervisor. You know, like I remember, I'm just going to give you a personal story. One of my uh, positions, I had a fellowship and within the fellowship, there was an internship wrapped into it. And I worked with a woman who was a black woman on her own business. She was, had her own insurance company and stuff. And I was miserable. I was miserable because she was so hard on me. Mm. She nitpicked every single thing I did. Every week we will all come together and go and talk about what we did for that week at our prospective internships. It was like 15 of us. Everybody coming in. Oh yeah, we went to lunch. We had a great time. Oh, I'm working on this project. And this is actually something I can use as a credit. They're getting uh, uh, towards my college degree and everything. And I was like, I filled out envelopes. That's what I did. I filled out envelopes and I got hollered at for the way I filled out the envelopes. You know, like it's like people are like, well, you may have to look at it. And I remember one of the uh, trainers was like, well, maybe you need to look at it. She's trying to be hard on you because she wants you to be better. I'm like, but can't she come from a softer place? Can't she come from a more respectful place? Why does it have to be a negative reinforcement? I, I don't operate that way. That doesn't work for me. And she mentioned to me towards the end of the internship because they went back and told her I was miserable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hard on you because I see potential in you. And I feel like in order for you to find that place inside of you, that's going to help you be successful in whatever venture you may go into. If it's entrepreneurship, if it's business, whatever, I want you to make sure that you realize that you can do it because I helped you get there. Girl, one in one ear and out the other. And I was like, I'm so glad this internship is over because you are mean. Right. And I don't know if that was just how I was as a young black girl having an older black woman that I don't even know personally just speak to me like she my auntie was just a little bit too much for me to handle. And sometimes I feel like in a lot of spaces, I hear the negative responses that other black women have to say about bossing up black women because they feel like they're too tough on them and they get treated differently than the just and Karen's and it's not beneficial for them. Ooh, you just said a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say, and again, all of this is based on just my experience, but for the black managers that we did have, they didn't have the best reputation in terms of being a good manager. Mm-hmm. Of course, in terms of the black um fast people yeah um so that was something I definitely kept in my mind like I did not want that to be me I didn't want to feel like again now that I'm a black woman and moving up I have to like kind of assimilate or assert myself um you know so I can you know see that I belong here or show others that I belong here like yeah I just never felt like I had to prove myself so that I think served me well but in listening to your story about, you know, your intern director, I can see that. Um, I will say, you know, one experience that I have had with, you know, one of my um, Black staff people, which was also just a little awkward because we were peers. Like, we definitely came up together mm-hmm. um, in the organization. And then I had to become her supervisor, but um, just not never taking my foot off the gas, like just always staying on top. Like, I know you can do better than this. Mm-hmm. Like, and when I saw that wasn't working now, I'm going to show you how the fact that when you're not doing certain things, like what impact that has on me and now how I have to unfortunately mm-hmm. work a little bit harder or differently than I want to, um, you know, because my philosophy, which helped me to boss up was 
how can I make my boss's life easier? Like, yeah. what can I do? Never had that cross my mind. But go ahead. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> Never. He get paid. She get paid. Just like me. And more than me. So making their life easier. <laughs> make my life easier first. <laughs> Listen, that's me. I, I really wanted to see, like, how can I help this person? Because at the end of the day, I didn't want my life to be miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I left that position, which of course was just recently, you know, this person mm-hmm. really told me like, thank you. Like, I appreciate you. And every last thing you told me, like, I see where you were coming from, even though you may not realize that I understood what you were saying, but I see how it benefited me in the long run. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, especially when it came to this particular person, you know, I'm like, you're lucky I'm your supervisor because if it was someone else yeah. who was not the same color, unfortunately, yeah. mm-hmm. they would not have your back like I do. They would not be here trying to push you for hire. They'll be trying to push you out the door. And I'm really trying to, you know, help, of course, build your skills because A, it's already there. But B, um, you know, I, I just don't want to see someone else becoming a supervisor and really them pushing you on your way out when it's there but they may not you know have the time or the care you know to want to tap into your potential so so it was like a pro and a con yeah of having a full-time black woman manager it's like i want to see you do better so i'm going to be a little bit harder on you not harder but a little bit more blunt and frank with my responses but at the same time i have your back right so and that's you're gonna have more leniency yeah Mm -hmm. like that's it's it's I guess it's difficult for a lot of black women to grasp on to at times, like when you're in it, because it's, we always say how we're here for our sisters and stuff like that. But then when you have one that's like, well, you know, you need to be a little bit faster. You need to do this, make sure that your quality is up and it's coming from a good place. But when you receive it, it's like, all I hear is somebody attacking me. And I appreciate yeah. this. So they bullying me kind of thing. Uh, who do you think she is? Right. Exactly. She's just oh, like she me. She's just like me. I don't know why <laughs> she thinks she can talk to me like this. But um, it's, it's, I, I'm glad that we can bring this to the forefront and that you're, you know, sharing that it's, it is two sides. Like, it's not just me doing this for the sake of doing this. And I'm sure, I am sure that there are some supervisors who are out there who are power tripping and probably doing that too. <laughs> this yeah. is probably where the stories come from, but it's good to hear that that is not always the case. There are good examples. Um, and what I wanted to also ask, I guess as a follow-up off of that, everything that you've said so far sounds like to me that you have built a brand You have built yourself Mm. as a brand. You have made sure your name is good. Your reputation is good. Your quality of work is good. So it's a certain standard that's set that you created. Now, did you realize you were creating a brand for yourself when you were in this process? I did not. But now it all has revealed itself to me. Now Mm. that I'm gone, I didn't have left that job. But the love that I got from people who I didn't even work with um, just because my brand was being approachable, um, but still, you know, producing high results, being kind, like showing folks like this is possible. Um, so yeah, that was my brand. And as far as my team, um, you know, we were regarded as a high performing team. So because of that, like we didn't have to um, have meetings all the time and have to meet with the higher ups this or that because they knew we were doing everything we needed to do mm-hmm. um so goes back to know, our stat you were more showing more profitability and productivity because you were led by a diverse uh group of people right absolutely so we were so hands-off even with my transition from the job Again, hands off management set. I know that you have this all under control. Um, as far as I know, they're not like replacing my position. They're just literally promoting everybody on my team to do certain pieces of what I was doing because I was already building up their capacity anyway mm. to do those things. So that made my transition easier. I'm like, 
I know you can do this because you're already doing it. Mm-hmm. And just showing people, you know, how they're already doing it because sometimes they don't realize. I mean, I was spitting off all the skills, you know, that each person on my team had. And they're like, wait, can you write that down for me so I can mm-hmm. keep it for my resume? Like they're doing all these things, but they just, you know, aren't maybe able to articulate it or don't see it because you're just so busy and, you know, your day to day. You're really... Yeah, you gotta just continue to keep that big picture in mind. I love it. You like Mr. Miyagi in this whole thing. Like wax on, <laughs> wax off. They didn't even know they was karate masters out here. And like, well, are you sure that's what I'm doing? Yes, yes, you can do this. I love it. I love it. And I would I would love for all the future supervisors or supervisors out there to see and understand that this is what duplicating yourself can sound like. Because you yes. went out there, you you made sure that they had the skills, you helped them improve, you made a brand for yourself so that they could recognize that, you know, this is how things can be done, created a blueprint. And now these people are getting promoted. They are moving up to new positions to take on tasks that you enabled them to be able to mm-hmm. master and handle. Like, this is a, ma- a clap. I'm just <laughs> clapping it up for you because clearly... <laughs> Like, this is what we talk about. This is what needs to happen from supervisors. And a lot of times it doesn't happen from our Karen and Jeff counterparts. But you took the time to make sure that that was something on the list of achievements for you. And I'm pretty sure that goes along with the stat of why groups of teams that are led by a diverse group of employees do better because we know about being those positions where we don't feel as if we have a say, yeah. we don't have that sponsorship. We don't have hope to that we can actually look at and speak to, to even work harder to move to the next level. Because if I see you, then I believe it's real that it's possible for me to um, get there. So I'm going to put a little bit more oomph in my step mm-hmm. because as a corporation or as a company, you're letting me know the culture in your company is about qualified people, not just necessarily by people who all look the same yes. to fill in these positions. Yes. So that I'm pretty sure has a huge positive impact on the reason why when women, women of color, or when um, men of color lead teams, you get more out of it because people can feel it, see it, touch it mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. So we are going to go into this commercial, but when we come back, we're going to go through Four quick tips of how you can develop and advance towards your goals, just like our guest, Tasha. Yo, I wonder how many of these Pod Love segment podcasts have actually started their podcast with Buzzsprout. They are by far one of the best partners to have when starting your podcast in this space. Yeah, I mean, we use Buzzsprout. And guess what? Buzzsprout don't use us. Right. Because we are truly partners. When we say that stuff, we're not just saying it, saying it. We believe it because we feel it. Yes. Now, Buzzsprout makes it so easy to, first of all, start your podcast and get it listed in every major podcast platform. When you click on the link, fulltimeblackwoman.com forward slash Buzzsprout forward slash you will receive a $20 Amazon gift card after signing up for a paid plan. And guess what? It helps us out too. Absolutely. And when she says every major podcast platform, she really does mean every from Apple, Google, Spotify, CastBox, all of them, every single one. And it's easy to do. Just find yourself a quiet space, get yourself some gear that you already have and run your mouth. M-O-U-S. M-O-U-F. And during this time, I'm pretty sure you had some ideas, some opinion about something that's going on in the world that you feel like you want to share with everyone else. Go ahead. Click on the link, fulltimeblackwoman.com forward slash buzzsprout forward slash, and you will be able to get your message out to the world. Right. And not only that, you'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into your own personal website, just like we do, and detail analytics because you want them stacked for that ass uh, on your podcast who's listening when they listening where they're listening from so do like Isha said click on the link in the show notes fulltimeblackwoman.com forward slash buzzsprout forward slash to get your $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan we're back all right so the first tip of how you can develop and advance towards your goals is you have to want power and influence and If you're a type of person who 
isn't interested in being a point person who doesn't like the spotlight, who's actually okay with being in the background and getting doing the grunt work or whatever else. That is totally fine. But as we have mentioned before, 65% of black women, if not more, look to aspire to move up in their careers. So we are already there. We already get that that little extra oomph on our back to let us know that we can get stuff done. It's just a matter of getting those opportunities to make them happen. So you have to want that power and influence and know the pros and cons to come along with it. Pro, hey, you're getting what you want. You're getting what you work for. Con, that spotlight is going to be a little bit bigger, a little bit brighter when it comes to having to defend your credibility. Also, when it comes to being challenged because of who you are, because you don't look like the norm of what people are used to. If in your particular industry, those people tend to be people who carry pink penises. Yep. So that is one of the reasons why. <laughs> It's a pro to combo. I mean, let's be real. That's what we do at Full Time Black Women. Yep. If you ain't got the paint job or the parts, more than likely it's going to be a little bit harder for you. So you definitely have to want that power and that influence. Did you want the power and the influence, Tasha? Did, was that one of your drivers? No. And I'm actually way more comfortable behind the scenes. Um, but luckily we just, we had a great understanding, me and my um, former job. Um, I was fine being in the forefront with like our providers. And I think that's just based on my previous kind of customer service mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. background. But when it came to like our funders, the people that gave us the money to do what we were doing, I was like, you can handle that conversation. Um, but of course, now looking back and moving forward. No, why wouldn't I want to be? In those conversations, that's like mm-hmm. way more important than how we're keeping the money coming in. Um, but again, you got to know what you're comfortable with doing. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the next way to develop and advance towards your goals is you have to confidently seize opportunities. There is no excuse to shy away from opportunities as they arise that does not serve you if you're looking for advancement you have to put yourself out there and everything can be an opportunity even if you don't see it initially it can become or be the stepping stone to an opportunity so even the most mundane of tasks can give you like the blueprint for the groundwork that must be done for the upper levels that you want to achieve. So yes, you might be pushing papers and crunching numbers right now, but you have to know the ins and outs of that pushing paper and crunching numbers in order to be able to supervise somebody who's coming in to, you know, that entry level position after you. Mm-hmm. It's all connected. And I think for you, based on your story, Tasha, you have mentioned a lot about seizing opportunities. Like, was there ever a moment where you might have questioned whether or not to seize the opportunity? I will say no. I, I never said no, actually, to things that came my way, um, whether it was, you know, do you want to attend this conference? Yes, I sure do. Like, even if I can't look at these workshops and see like how it directly relates to me. Like obviously you saw something there that was beneficial that I should attend. So yes, like I'm going to go here. Um, actually how I kind of began to move into other roles. It was like time for my annual evaluation. And I noticed like not only was my direct supervisor was there, but hers was there. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Mm. And that's when they told me about this new job that I was going to be doing. Like, basically, it wasn't like, do you want to do this? It's like, this is what you're going to be doing. And this is something new, you know, for our department. And little did I know, like, that role was going to just truly transform, like, my whole career because I didn't say no. Mm-hmm. And not only did I not say no, at that time, my supervisor became very busy there was like another program that actually took her attention so I was kind of left like myself to figure some things out Mm -hmm. but you know I didn't let that deter me I said what am I going to do let me read the work plan like let me read the contract and see what it is like we're responsible for doing now was that in my direct job duties as a coordinator at that time no but it's easy to say like oh that's not what my job description I'm not going to do it and it's easy for them to say, like, well, you're going to continue to stay where you are right. um, and not move up. 
So I just kind of began to do more things. And that led to a promotion for me. I just never said no. Um, Even when it came to certain conferences and you know, it kind of became like a running joke out there around the office. Like, like, okay, like Tasha's able to do like all these different things that we don't see how it's related to her job. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, there was a conference in LA. And again, my director said, Hey, do you want to attend this conference? Hell yeah. It's in LA and it's free. You guys right? are going to be paying for my flight. Girl, I'm already there. Exactly. You're going to be paying for my hotel. And at that time, I didn't have any children. So there's really no excuse for you, mm-hmm. I would imagine, to say no to these opportunities that people are putting in front of you. Mm-hmm. And after leaving the job, um, you know, we're going through memories and stuff. But two people that was also there at the conference because they were actually presenting. I wasn't. I was just along for the ride. But apparently I provided them with great encouragement and support as they were preparing to present at a national conference. Like, so little did I know, maybe that's why I was there to help be that person, you know, that my colleagues needed and also get a free trip to Disneyland. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And that is a bet. Oh, go ahead. No, I was like, that's what's up. (laughs) (laughs) But I love, so you not only took the opportunities that were given to you, but you also sought out opportunities that people might not have even suggested. It was just like, you know what? I want to do that because I want to learn that. And who knows what it's going to be good for. And the fact that you could even find opportunity in something. So like you said, the, the woman, or I don't know who it was, I'm just assuming. So (laughs) whoever it was that did the speaking engagement you provided them with encouragement. Like that was an opportunity in itself. Like you didn't have to do that, but you did. And you don't know if that helped uh, jumpstart you into something else, give you the sponsorship you needed for another position, the visibility, Mm -hmm. exactly. The connection was made um, in that instance that could help move you forward as well. Like all of those things are interconnected and I absolutely love that. That is wonderful. Um, so this actually plays into the next way that you can advance your career. Um, always, always pursue management challenges. Mm. I feel like a lot of people, once they get into a management role, they're kind of there and they, uh, they're they upset that they feel as if they're stuck in this middle management position versus moving on to the leadership. But you get stuck in those positions sometimes when you do not take on challenges that come once you have made it. Yeah. You know, that is just a stepping stone to get to a leadership to really make some change into whatever the company culture is. And what middle management, first of all, some of the, they are some of the most miserable people ever. I don't know if you've <laughs> noticed that, but middle management, man, they are mad, at, but they really should be mad at themselves because there are opportunities to go further in your career. You just have to take them as if Tasha has, I mean, Tasha has already mentioned and her, uh, what she shared with us already in her journey. So always, always pursue management challenges of how you could change, uh, advance better, whatever the current processes are in place to put that spotlight, just like Tasha has by being the most profitable team, you know, to have the most productivity or increase your accuracy to do it, anything to make sure that you stand out so that you can move on to something bigger and better because, Middle management is not the end all be all. Right. We feel like that's the only time we see black women in certain places, especially in corporate America. But is it because of their lack of sponsorship to move forward, or is it more so their lack of uh, ability to take on more challenges? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Huh. Or lacking the vision to see that yeah. by taking the challenges, you can excel yourself forward mm-hmm. and not be stuck, mm-hmm. you know? Did you always have a vision of improvement for your department or everything? Absolutely. Always had a vision of improvement. And as you speak, it's like, it's weird because I always had this vision of improvement, but never saw myself in like leadership positions. So it's like, how did you think you were going to improve without at some point needing to go into leadership? Um, But yeah, just really, I mean, luckily the organization I came from, you know, they had a lot of 
structure set up for better or for worse. But you knew what was expected at the next level. You knew at a coordinator level, like what those responsibilities entail. And then at um, a management level and then at a director's level. Um, and each kind of had, I would say, more increasing like kind of external um, responsibility. So things that you're now doing outside of your department. So you, and it's a lot about relationships. Um, now you've got to talk to accounting and to contracts and to communications. And then you've got to, you know, hold um, those good relationships with funders, with the people who are bringing money into the department. So I just kind of took a look at what was required for each next like level, next jump and get exposure to it. Again, to get exposed to something, you've got to put yourself out there and no one's necessarily going to say to you, hey, why don't you come jump on this call with us and the accountants? But, you know, I was nosy. I'm looking at my manager's calendar. Like, oh, <laughs> girl, yes. yes. I'll be on a water mile. <laughs> yeah. What you got planned? Uh-huh. Like, Who are you talking to? With, you know, yeah. accounting or whatever about my program. Like, mm-hmm. I would love to be in on that meeting or so on and so forth. So really just seeing what's, you know, the next step, then getting yourself exposed to it, just learning that, you know, you have to be a little reasonable. You have to do a little beyond what's on your exact job description. You know, that is that last bullet, other duties assigned mm-hmm. or what have you. But you can assign your own other duties. You don't need your job to assign those other duties to you. And sometimes folks like it when you tell them, what you're going to do yeah. now again mm-hmm. in my company i know that may not be well received at other jobs um but you know just know that you have to give a little um to get what you want mm-hmm. not saying to work yourself crazy and work a whole nother job and do manager things without getting your manager's pay but realize what's the good kind of balance there okay i think that is excellent advice definitely so speaking of advice our next uh, way to develop, advance, uh, and move forward to your goals is to build a network of influential mentors, people who you can reach out to, ask questions of, and things like that. And we talked about this in our la- one of our last interviews, um, Mentee to Mentor with Steph, and the importance of it. You also mentioned, Tasha, that You can't build yourself up by yourself. A lot of us as full-time black women tend to think that this is a solo gig. Like I can do anything and everything by myself. And Mm -hmm. it's usually not the case when you're looking for advancement. You have to be able to work with people. So Tasha, can you speak to, did you have any uh, specific influential mentors or just a, a board of, uh, a board, what did he call it? A board of representatives or, or somebody or others that, you know, helps guide you along the way through your career? Absolutely. Um, I would say, you know, I had maybe two or one that fulfilled, two that fulfilled two different roles um, because I most recently learned about work sponsorship, mm-hmm. um, which is a little different than um, mentorship. It's like, that's the person who's actually getting you into these new roles into you know rooms that you should be in um but the mentors of course modeling that great behavior that you know you want to kind of embody and they're giving you advice and all those things um so luckily for me i had both of them in two kind of senior management positions in my company and both of those folks i actually saw firsthand or at least heard of them moving from the same position I started in to where they were, which was literally the two top highest kind of positions you could be in. So A, that already showed me like, I need to be like talking to these people, these Mm -hmm. women, um, and B, listening to what they have to say. Um, So for sure, I would say my sponsor had the most impact on my career. This person really believed in me. Um, just always kind of was there to listen to me, support me, encourage me, and then to literally put me into rooms and places that I need to be in. And this person was not actually um, a full-time Black woman. Um, 
the full-time white woman, not a Karen, because <laughs> she did not like Karens, actually. She valued diversity. She was the person who she said... She was an ally. Yeah, an ally. An ally. Thank goodness. Like, she was the one who said, why do we have all these offices and they're all filled by white people? Like, mm. she was the one who wanted to make sure she was making these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, That's awesome. You know, for... For black women, for black men, whomever. Um, and so uh, because of this person and also, you know, obviously had a great reputation and of their own um, in the industry, everyone kind of respected and regarded this person. So if kind of she was referring you or recommending you, um, that had a lot of clout to it. Um, so I would say find that person. <laughs> For sure. And, um, you know, just continue to be you, though. I never mm-hmm. changed who I was. I never had to change how I, you know, kind of acted around her or anything like that. Um, everything just luckily flowed pretty naturally. And, um, you know, but that's how it should be. And yeah, I think, yeah. you know, once you move up, you begin to reap some of these benefits, um, you know, of leadership and how the network is supposed to work. And you might feel a little weird about it, but when you look back, it's like, no, this is how, you know, it's supposed to be like, I pay my dues and, you know, hopefully I can be that bridge builder, which I do feel strongly that I will be for other folks. And of course, I'm going to make sure it's for my my full-time Black women, but like how to get people in the door. And I have had people now um, in this new position that I'm in say, hey, like we have these invitation only, you know, kind of openings going on like do you know anybody mm-hmm. and that's really how you know things work nice nice okay Tosh so we're getting towards the end of our show but before we go we have to ask if there's one one piece of advice you could share with our audience what would it be I think I've already said this but just keep putting yourself out there but mm-hmm. naturally be cool about it don't be hype like i'm trying to move up at any by any means possible mm-hmm. like no like just be cool be yourself believe in yourself stay visible if there's opportunities that are there um you know that can help you level up take advantage of them um you know as best as you can and of course, get you a mentor and a sponsor. So I guess that's way more than one piece of advice because <laughs> it's not just one thing that's going to help you book yeah. up. It's, it's a whole package. All right. Cool. I'm clapping you. up for that because that was all great gems that you were dropping right there. Hope y'all were out there catching them, please. <laughs> so, Tasha. Uh, Tasha, we want to know, because we asked all of our guests this, you, you might already know this question coming. What does it mean to you to be a full-time Black woman? Well, I just think of that as just not even being job-related, um, but it's just something of always being cognizant and aware. Like, this is something we carry and we have to just continue to be mindful of. So basically, to me, being a full-time Black woman and a mom, it's just I'm always on the clock 24-7. So, of course, yes, where does that leave me with time to myself and to breathe, relax, self-care, all those good things I'll be preaching about. I haven't quite reached that level yet. But, you know, as a full-time woman, I'm just going, going, going is all I can say. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, right. look, that's you ain't real. gotta preach your choir. We're trying to learn too, right? <laughs> Absolutely, that's why we talk about it so we can get advice for people like you and people that's out there, so we can uh, get it together. We are in this together. This is a safe space. So yes, it is. With that, that brings us to the end of the, of the episode. But we want to clap it up one last time for Tasha. Thank you so very, very much from the bottom of our hearts for joining us today. You dropped all the gems and gave some really great information. We hope that our listeners out there have received it, can use it uh, and go forward in their own careers and boss up just like you. So thank you so much for joining us today. 
Thank you. I'm your full time black woman. You guys are awesome. <laughs> thank, oh, thank you. So <laughs> and with that, that brings us to the end of another episode. We hope that you got all the gems, all the tips, all of the wonderful information that Tasha was dropping for y'all. And remember, we are here for you full time from coffee to wine. And remember to play your power perfectly. Peace. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Full-Time Black Woman is created, recorded, and produced by Elise Real and Isha Bell. For more opportunities to live, laugh, grow, and fill the soul, be sure to like, review, comment, and subscribe to Full-Time Black Woman wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Help us build this community by sharing with other full-time Black women like yourself. Visit our website at fulltimeblackwoman.com to see what's new or to reach out. If you have questions or want to add to today's topic, send us an email to contact at fulltimeblackwomen.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Fulltime Black Woman and on Twitter at FT Black Woman.